This is Five Places, Los Angeles, a podcast by the LA Forum for Architecture and Urban Design. I'm Emmanuel Bourlier, and I'm thrilled to share my interview with Lisa Teasley about the five places that define Los Angeles for her. Lisa Teasley is a writer and an artist, a graduate of UCLA and a Los Angeles native. Her critically acclaimed debut novel, Glow in the Dark, won numerous awards. Her novels, Heat Signature and Dive, have been praised in publications such as the New York Times Book Review, the Los Angeles Times, and the San Francisco Chronicle. Her news story collection, Fluid, is forthcoming, September 2023. As an artist, Lisa Teasley's last solo retrospective exhibition, Paintrospective, was at the Marie Baldwin Gallery in 2019. Lisa is also a senior editor at Los Angeles Review of Books. Please check the show notes for Lisa's full bio, links to her work, and to all the places she references. A few editorial comments about this episode. It was one of the earliest interviews for this podcast, recorded in December of 2020 during a pandemic lockdown. If you've been listening to other episodes in which five places are very clearly delineated, you'll find this interview to be more of a conversational journey through neighborhoods. Lisa's knowledge of Los Angeles runs deep, and I found it beautiful to discover it through her stories. The video available on our YouTube channel includes images of Lisa's amazing paintings. If you're listening to the audio version, I want to mention that when we talk about Laurel Canyon, the book I'm holding is Lisa's own novel, Dive, which I highly recommend. Now let's dive in. Oh, I love all the books behind you. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's years of it. Plus, um, with my job as an editor, I get so many books that literally every week I'm taking crates of books places. Like I, I anonymously shove books in library slots. I take, you know, like, it's it's kind of it, it, it's weird, but it's kind of become a nightmare. I've told the publishers to stop sending them, that let me request yeah. them, but there's still yeah. enough that come that you know it's three boxes. So yeah. um, so I keep you know what what I can, but there's no storage space in this house, none whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm always purging. So that's a that's a and it's it's a good lesson I think, or not lesson. But practice the purge and to give stuff away and you know yeah but it's also so nice to have books around yes absolutely <laughs> so my favorites yes yes <laughs> um shall we dive in then with a sure, few questions sure. LA? and um, the the very first question is just simply how long have you lived in la so i was born here in LA and when I was one we moved to Durham North Carolina but we were there for only six years and came right back so I was here in time for second grade and so other than um, living in New York in the 90s and a year in Bangkok last year in the beginning of this year I've been in LA the whole rest of the time yeah That's amazing yeah and sidebar, I lived in New York in the 90s, too. Oh, you did? Wow. <laughs> yes. How amazing. We so both 90, 94 to 99, roughly. When wow, I was there. there 92 to 99. That's amazing. Yes. We overlapped. Yes. So I was in the village. 
-hmm. and then Williamsburg before it became what it Williamsburg is now. I mean, any neighborhood is, they're all different now. And then ended up in Soho. And because I needed space as an artist, there were a few apartments left that were, you know, in Soho that were just for artists and you need to be certified. And so Julian yeah. Schnabel certified me as a painter and we got this amazing wow. space. So I had all this space to paint. So that was fabulous. I like what I have now. So I just have a little, like a little bit of the living room is my paint space. How much do you paint versus writing? Um, it varies in terms of, of um, what's pulling me more. So if I'm working on a specific book project, then I'm focused on that. Mm -hmm. But if not, then it, then it becomes all about the painting. And then when, when there isn't a show that I have to get paintings to, or I don't have a, uh, have a story deadline, then there is, there's a balance that I'm not sure how to measure, you know, what happens. You know, it's when I don't feel like sitting at the desk and I want to be expressing yeah. myself in color and form. And That's so beautiful that you go between those two modes. Like yes. they must enrich each other tremendously. They, they really do. Now I'm, you know, not sure, you know, what I'm going to stick to. I always have quite a few different stories or, or long, um, long projects going and then, but there's always a painting on the easel. So yeah, so I'm painting. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, my second question was what brought you to LA, but you were born here. Here. If you were born here, you know, what brought your parents or your grandparents here? Like how far back does well, your so, family go? Well, my grandmother came here. My maternal grandmother came here from Panama and, um, and she came with her, her second daughter. She had seven kids and each one followed um, shortly after. So my mother, who was the baby, came when she was 22 and um, and my mother met my father, who had come here from, um, well, he was born in Cleveland, Ohio, but he was going to school in, he went to Fisk in Nashville. And his first job was with the space program. And so um, he was computing trajectories to the moon in the space program, and then left it because it was an all white world. He left it for Golden State life insurance company which was black owned so my mother was working there as a secretary and he was moving on his way up and mm. he um when he saw her he said he had dreamed of her he told her he had dreamed of her so it was that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so that's the, that's the history of of my parents but your dad was basically a rocket scientist, it sounds like, or is. So he, so he yeah. was the math genius who, <laughs> you know, went to college when he was 15. And he, he could have gone any, in, in any direction with the math, but he was picked up by the space program. And so was, for lack of a better word, became a hidden figure there. And there was visiting German scientist who... 
um, befriended my dad and said, okay, you know, um, there was this meeting that you weren't included in. And what he was hearing about my dad, like the, you know, the snickering and the, you know, the ceiling they were trying to keep in place over him this scientist let him know about. And so then that's when, you know, and dad had sensed those things, of course, but that was just sort of the, you know, the icing on the cake and that gave him the, the impetus to, you know, to leave. So basically the rest of his career was, you know, he started there as an actuary and then moved up all the way up to CEO. And um, yeah, and that building um, was still there. You know, the, um, the the black architect Paul Williams. So much of the Adams district is, you know, there are so many buildings that are in the historic registry and are being preserved, thank goodness. Um, and that's one of the neighborhoods that I want to bring up as my five that defines me yes. because it's so rich in history. And I've spent so much time there because my grandmother lived there and we were there every Sunday. So, oh, lovely. Yeah. What an interesting story of your dad's to leave a very unfair situation and then work his way to CEO. Right. And, and back then, too, looking for a place to live as a Black man was heartbreaking. Some of the stories that are so in looking for a place in Santa Monica. He was just talking about this a couple of months ago. I started to interview him about his life because of, of a post that I did that people said it was a Father's Day post that we need his story, you know, and, and, and they said, and make him tell, tell you his story. So um, in that, we, um, we, were, we were talking about neighborhoods and he was saying how when he and my mom pulled up to look at a place that, you know, for, that was for rent, you know, the guy came running out and was like, no, 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 not for coloreds, you know, it was just, it was like that. Um, that blatant. That, that blatant, yeah. It was just, <laughs> Forget redlining, this was arm-waving. <laughs> yes, right. That is, yeah. it's so, unfathomable. What, and what, so well, what you know what, I, that? but the thing is, the sad yeah. thing is, I'm going to jump to that, well, I live in Venice, um, yeah moved here six years ago after selling my house in Laurel Canyon and and it was hard to find a place here and I had the same kinds of experiences not the the you know not that not using the, the words but you know stuff that actually made me break down and cry and then this so then a couple of months later my sister and her family uh she she's a civil rights attorney and she got a job with George Soros's uh, Open Society Foundation. And so they, since they were moving to New York, they said, come, you know, rent our house here. So I, so that, that, that cry, you know, <laughs> that, that desperate, oh, I just want, came true. My sister, my sister's house. But it's so sad that however many places that I looked at where I spoke to someone on the phone, a, la a landlord on the phone about a duplex, and he, we got on so well on the phone, talking for like, I don't know, 20 minutes. He said, you're gonna love it here. By the end of the call, that's what he was saying. I arrived, all excited. He 
would not look me in the eye. He just, the whole time, you know, he said, you know, of course you have to fill out a credit report. And I said, of course, you know, and you, a, a, an application and the whole time just looking down at the ground. And then I filled everything out. I dropped it off. Oh, also, I also ran into the, the, the people who were moving out and they said, you're going to love it here. And we heard all about you because just because we had that chat on the phone, we just like had gotten on. So, and so then when I called him and said, have you looked over my application? He just hung up on me. Oh my God. So this happened six years ago in Venice, you know, and it's, it, so uh, all that to say that I don't, I don't love my neighborhood because I don't feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. don't. So when the opportunity to move happens, I will. I don't know if I got off, off on all of this, you know. But no, but that's... It's a reality. I got a stomachache just hearing about it. Yeah. I mean, it's so... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's awful. Yeah. So anyway... So, and you've been there for six years, but, but given the opportunity, you would move. Yeah. And the question is where? Where? Yeah. Most of my friends live in the Silver Lake Echo Park mm. area, but they've lived there for, you know, a, at least a couple decades and, and would otherwise be priced out. So that, but with what's happening now, like, right you know right now the house across the street the for sale sign just went up um two days ago and so much of the neighborhood there are you know for the buildings for lease signs you know and that's the result of covid and we'll see what happens to la we'll see what happens um you're living in venice and yeah. and you don't feel at home there no i just uh you know, it's, it's more when, when someone comes to visit and, you know, and they want to walk to the beach or walk to the canals or, you know, yeah. I have one neighborhood pal who comes and picks me up and we walk through the canals to the beach. So I enjoy it more with others. Have you felt more at home? And well, maybe we'll get to this in other parts of the city. Okay. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yes. Well, right now, the contrast being in the Adams district, my, my, um, well, Imogen, you met Imogen, who was also in the show, my kid, um, my progeny, as you can say, um, their pronouns are they, them, and theirs, and, mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and it's not about daughter or son, it's, you know, it's, yeah. so, but it also feels strange to say kid, so. So I'll just say my Imogen <laughs> is now visiting from Oakland and staying Adams District. Mm -hmm. And we skateboard there almost every day because- Oh, I love it. You know, the streets are wide and flat, you know, and I have a longboard. And even though they love to do tricks and everything, we can just, you know, just skate through the streets and there isn't much traffic and, it's so yeah. comfortable and it's like being a kid, being at my grandmother's house, you know? Yeah, that's so, amazing. Really, and, it's, and it's very well mixed. So I'm very comfortable there. And then I grew up in Bowen Hills. 
So that's where my dad still is with my youngest sister. And that has changed tremendously because that was known, well, it's changed throughout the many decades, but from the, so I would say from the early 70s through, I guess the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, it was still, it was sometimes referred to as the Black Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I go to visit dad and my sister, it's, it's predominantly white now. It, it's still an odd sight coming and seeing, you know, the different landscape in terms of people on my way to the house. And so, yeah, that's very interesting. And I also um, hike quite a bit with a friend in Kenneth Hahn Park. And that's a beautiful mix of everyone who lives, you know, in the larger area, whether it's you know, from Inglewood, View Park, Lamert Park. It's, I, I love that, that walk, whether, and the, there's a new bridge that goes across Canada. So it's Baldwin Hills Overlook to Kenneth Hahn. And it's lovely, you know, and then there's the, there are the people doing the steps, considering that sort of part of Culver City and where the steps are. So it, that's, that's, that park is very much LA to me. I love that place too. It's fairly close to our office and the Culver City Skate Park where my son used to skate. So, you know, I've done the steps a few times with him or uh, hiked a bit around there and you get these amazing views and it's just incredible that you're in the middle of the city. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it there. Yes. I love it there too. And I really was in love with Laurel Canyon. Um, I lived mm-hmm. there for 13 years. I was in love with this house. The backyard was the woods and it was three sides glass. So you, you felt like you were in a tree house. You were just in the trees. And um, it was really magical. And I didn't find out until after being there, like maybe it was a year before I sold the house. I found out that it was Led Zeppelin's party house <laughs> in the 60s. There's so much musical history in so Canyon, you know, <laughs> yeah. and the Papas, um, you know, Joni Mitchell, Frank Zappa, The Doors. You can still feel there's that vibe. And also it's got like a dark undercurrent of, you know, some of, while I was there, um, a body was found. This was right before I finished my first novel. So is this, so I've been reading, I've been reading. Yes, oh, (laughs) exactly. So everything that you're saying right now, this Laurel Canyon vibe and like, I'm very much, yes, it's so good. It is so good. Yeah, so the neighborhood inspired it. Yeah, and, um, you know, the Wonderland murders, because Imogen was going to Wonderland um, and we would walk, walk them to school and then walk up Wonderland. We were on Lookout Mountain and then walking up Wonderland um, where the Wonderland murders took place, that house was always for lease. And, you know, and people would, and people that, the friends that knew of people that had gone in or had known of people who had even rented without knowing said that there really are ghosts. I mean, that you can feel, 
feel that presence of, you know, however many, how many bodies were found in that place. So there's that, there's that undercurrent too. And then there's this beautiful, anyway, that I can feel of, of the indigenous peoples who live there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of felt like, um, I don't know if I'm going to sound crazy, but I felt like I could hear the voices. And so, Amazing. yeah, so that I just, I was so in love with that house that I, I feel like I'm a ghost in the house. You know, like in, the, in another mm -hmm. timeline, I'm going to be a ghost in that house, you know. Um, and well, maybe your spirit is there. Yeah, my spirit is there, yeah. yeah. The neighbors were all so lovely. Um, and walking around there, there was never that feeling of who are you or what are you doing or, you know, during yeah. the awkward encounters, you know. Is that, you were talking about the native spirit, is that Tongva land? Because most of LA yeah. is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I, I still miss it. But I wanted to move to this side of town because I wanted to be far away from all of my habits, you know, just like, cause I, I did a lot of shopping, Fairfax, like Fairfax, the street of Fairfax and, and Pico where my sister's uh, studio is. She's a, de a designer of accessories. She and my mom did that. My mom passed away last year, but up until that point, they, had, they, well, they've been in that same studio since at least, at like late 90s I'd say and so you know visiting them and walking around there and then also just the sh the and after being a club club kid in uh um you know dancing I would always go to canters you know and uh -huh. every once in a while. I mean of course it's everything's closed right now but um there are just so many spots that i love that are still hanging in there yeah 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 but you chose to take yourself out of take myself out of the out of those environments I yeah it wouldn't be that that heart tug you know mm. was it to focus more on your work it, it was just to try and um try and fall in love with another part of the city is what I was thinking. And plus, when I lived there, I organized a weekly beach volleyball game. So I was at the beach every Sunday. So I thought, you know, this will be great to just be there. But the truth is, I, I was at the beach more when I lived over yeah. there than I am now. I tend to, yeah, just hunker down in the house and work. That's brave to transplant <laughs> yourself, you know, from a place you love and just say, yeah. I'm going to yeah. fall in love with something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be, even if you're not falling in love with uh, Venice right now, you have, you have such a, I don't know, the word luminous keeps coming to mind, but you have such a luminous, amazing spirit. I just, I can't imagine that you won't find, you know, the place where you feel deeply connected. Yeah. You. It's what I'm. It's what I'm. Um, con more uh, putting energy toward. You know. Yes. Place. Um, should we talk about your five places? The yes. five places oh, that yes. define. So, so the Adams District, mm -hmm. and 
Laurel Canyon and um, and then the Baldwin Hills area that I'm including um, Lamert Park and and the Crenshaw district and then uh, downtown LA I love downtown and I, I yeah. have loved it all my life from what it was when I was a kid till now even though um, you know, so much of the overbuilding, it's almost, there's almost never a time where you don't hear construction going here in this neighborhood. And there's that feeling of, even if you're not, you're not hearing the construction, but you see it as you're approaching downtown in, you know, if you're a native, then it looks like, look at how it's been so built up, you know, and I know that many New York transplants find, you know, find it comfortable. New York, New Yorkers find the downtown to be more, a little more like New York. Mm -hmm. And it's true in certain, uh, certain areas, but I still like, I love that the train station is still that gorgeous train station that it is. And Chinatown, mm -hmm. I love, you know, it's changed a lot as well, but well, you know, there's the, that flavor of Chinatown is still there. And I used to have a lot of habits of the flower, you know, getting flowers after dancing late at night and then going to, there was this place called Gorky's, which was a Russian all, all night um, omelet place. And, you know, staying up late enough to get flowers in the morning oh, how nice. i've not done that since you know <laughs> it's become what it is now you know so well when i'm thinking of seeing you know concerts at the orpheum and then there are there were certain spots that certain restaurants certain dive bars like a friend just uh sent me a poem today that he wrote about hank's bar downtown and i was thinking i I can't remember if I've actually been in it, but there, but, and I looked it up and yeah, it's been there since however long, you know, there are all, there are these places like Musso and Frank's on and the Frolic Room on Hollywood Boulevard that are still there downtown. And so that just to see their faces, you know, that, you know, their character still there among the newer, all the newer buildings, the kind of, I don't know, like the, these huge condos that have changed the face of it, you know? I mean, with all the people, it's more exciting. And I, my, my cousin lives um, near Olive and 8th, and I ran into him, you know, um, by surprise, just like catching him, you know, getting a burger after hiking at Griffith Park and that kind of thing may not have had it well it wouldn't have happened he wouldn't be he wouldn't have been living there and he showed me his downtown and the gallery that i had a solo show in last year um is on spring and eighth and that area mm -hmm. feels really juicy you know yeah. yeah yeah and um and so different from when for example i was an intern i went to ucla and i was an intern at the LA Times when it was on Spring oh. Street. And we would go to lunch in Little Tokyo most of the time. And um, yeah, just so, so many changes. But I, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that I still find that 
that that skeleton of what was there before and am embracing the new and also and the bustle of people that is really nice and those who i know who live downtown now um said it was it was very weird when the pandemic hit on how it felt for the first couple of months one friend was saying she felt intimidated just to walk her dog just with how desolate it felt she felt like she was strange you know horror movie apocalyptic apocalyptic (laughs) yeah do you have memories when, when you were very young going to downtown would you have gone there as a as a child um let's see what habits did we have downtown because we tended to go my dad would take us more to the marina a lot for dinner like fisherman's village and sunday brunches there um downtown was something that i think i got to know more from the ages of like 18 to you know 24 25 was more of a hangout after that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah so um but I think that there were school field trips like to Alvera Street and and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, but my memories are much more late teens, early 20s. Yeah, so I, I love downtown in all of its iterations. It's, it's LA to me too. And, um, and, and it's a part of as well, Echo Park and you know, and and Silver Lake, that whole that whole stretch together. I mean, those are those are all very different neighborhoods now. But for me, just like when I went hiking in Griffith Park, maybe two Saturdays ago, then I went I went through downtown just to, and I went through Silver Lake and Los Feliz, and you know, I mean, since I'm a native, it's all sort of. I just put my arms around most of the city, you know, it just, it feels good. It felt good to be out. It felt good to be on that side of town. Yeah. I love that. I love that sentiment because I think a lot of people come to LA and it feels unwieldy. Yes. Yeah. It's so large and there's so many possibilities and it's hard to get to know all of it. So I think many people will kind of find their own, you know, area where they're comfortable right. maybe a few areas right but right i right. love that you think of it like this you know this whole right and i used to feel like so many when you know being a traveler and then meeting people who know la only through movies and television mm-hmm. their ideas i would find would be so stereotypical and and really the one of the only shows i can think of is six feet under that i felt was a little more what la is in the sense that every week you know every episode was a different family um from a different part of the city so you got to see all of the that all of the these many 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 cultures that live here that were never, you know, to just glossed over mm-hmm. in film and in television for the most part. You know, like we're 
finally starting to see a little bit of change in that, but you know. Yes, but it's slow, change is. Change is so slow. So slow. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and that reminds me that I, I have a few books here that are my favorites about LA. Um, the first one is Mike Davis's City of Quartz. This is just like the, an excellent yes. history, you know, published in, in 1990. So, of course, it, it you know, the, there's been so much change since that. But it's, this is a lot of detail about how the city came to be what it is. That was and, required reading. Um, sorry to interrupt you. That was required reading in architecture school. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And um and then Linnell George, who's who's a an old friend, but who, you know, LA readers know from the LA Times, fantastic writer. Yeah. This is this came out at least I would say, well, maybe two years ago. And it's all about her LA and their photo her photographs as well. And it's a beautiful you know, a beautiful look at inside LA. Like in it, you know, it's also I see it sort of like her arms around LA and the changes. There's a lot, there's a lot of mourning in it as well for what has changed. And another by Mike Davis that just came out um, some months ago with oh, with wow. Liner set the night on fire LA in the 60s. Um, all about the protests and um, this I'm not I'm not finished with this book but it is fantastic this is a fantastic tome it looks like an amazing read and a long one a long one and <laughs> a fascinating one and relevant and, right and very very relevant so relevant and then lastly, um, this book, Living the California Dream, African-American Leisure Sites During the Jim Crow Era. Mm -hmm. this, this book, um, for the library, I moderated a conversation with um, Allison Rose Jefferson, who talks about uh, what it was like for, um, for Black people in, um, in, the, in the city, the stories of of leisure sites, Santa Monica, you know, um, mm -hmm. sites like what they call the Inkwell, and sort of back talking about with my dad, um, trying to look for a place there. Uh, stories about Manhattan Beach, a lot of stuff that I didn't know about, but but you know, some of it I did. But it's a fascinating read, mm -hmm. and um, for those who are interested in in LA and from the point of view of, of you know African Americans it's that is thank you so much for curating <laughs> that collection of books that's wonderful I'll include the that's links so, so bookish <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. so, yes the links to that that'd be great yeah yeah I'll include the links for sure as well as links to your books <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy your writing. I haven't read fiction in a long time, um, and it's doing me a lot of good to oh, thank you so much. I'm take so a break and read some fiction. I get completely sucked in, <laughs> and I even I think about like you'll write 
even just in the beginning, there are some details about things happening on the construction site. And I think like, did you grow up around construction sites or something to get to understand that the detail of what happens there? My partner at the time had worked at this. So the, the character of Ray is partly based on a lot of the stories that he told me. And um, he's such a colorful storyteller um, that I retained a lot of the stories and wrote it while we were together as well. And so, and he would read, when he would come back from work, he'd read the pages aloud and I could hear the voice and he could yeah. hear the voice. And that was, that was an amazing experience to have that I don't, I don't have that, uh, like a, a reader who will read it out loud so that I can hear it. I read, I read my work yeah. out loud to myself, but um, I never had a partner who would, you know, other than him that would, you know. That's wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, whenever we talk on the phone, he's back in Michigan, but he still talks about his days in, a, in an oral storyteller way that is just unlike anyone else I know. So, um, so that was a big gift. <laughs> big gift. So I felt like, yeah. And, but, but we did do things like some of the things, the, the um, like rafting, um, canoeing, and all, all of those adrenaline sports that are in the book. I, I experienced. But other than that, though, um, I do imagine myself as other people and, you know, have an experience. In that it's an way. amazing skill to have. <laughs> <laughs> I think the world might be a better place if more of us had that skill. You know, I, I believe that we all have the 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 great capacity for empathy it's just you know it can it, it can be socialized out of us it can be yeah. shut down you know it's it's it has to do with not being afraid to open the heart and it's understandable why so many people close up you know it's because it it's it's hard i found in living in new york that i sit on the subway I would try not to um, mm. take on other people's weather, but I would look in, I would, I would look into the person's eyes across from me and native New Yorkers, my native New Yorker friends would say to me, you're not supposed to do, you're <laughs> supposed to look over, <laughs> look over their heads, you know, and even when walking, I couldn't do it. I still felt affected, you know, so I would sometimes avoid Day, there were days where I didn't, didn't want to get on the subway for that reason that I was taking mm -hmm. this weather. But I find that I'm doing the same thing in, in any subway, like whether it's like Shanghai, Bangkok, London, Paris, all, you know, all of these populated cities, Berlin, you know, it's, it's um, you know, you, you're experiencing it with everyone. And if you're porous, like I am, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit, I want to stay, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, unaffected by whatever is going on. Yeah. Attitudes or. Porous is such a great <laughs> way to describe that. 
<laughs> well, you're a writer, so obviously. <laughs> oh. So I, I'm normally a very linear thinker. Yes. We've been having this wonderful kind of free rambling conversation and I've lost track. Have you named five plays? <laughs> yes, that's what I, I named um, the Adams <laughs> District, um, Laurel Canyon, Venice, where I live, um, downtown, and Echo Park, Silver Lake, although I didn't talk about that area, I don't think. Um, Do you have particular memories there or associations? Um, so the, well, I, st I still love walking around the lake, you know, Echo Park Lake. It's, it's, it's been sweet, the additions, like the, even though I haven't been on the swans, um, it's sweet how it's become such a, a gathering place. So you, I remember when it was pretty much empty. There's a loveliness to that. And then also walking around the Silver Lake Reservoir, you know, and then in all the restaurants and just, and just, but I associate it more with being at friends' houses for parties and mm -hmm. dinners. And um, so it's, it's, it's like a second home, mm -hmm. the neighborhood. But my friends who have been there such a long time do, you know, I mean, they can't help but complain about feeling priced out by, you know, a lot yeah. of places. This is it's expensive now. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, housing is one of the biggest problems yes. facing LA. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, we'll see what happens with all of these. Yeah, I mean, it does seem as though there are, there are initiatives to work on the problem, but as we said earlier, change is slow, and meanwhile, we're heartbreaking you know lapses going on yes so many people in the streets everywhere everywhere and that is heartbreaking that is heartbreaking to see so many people on the streets yeah i've been thinking about i don't think we can find an answer to this right now but <laughs> i've been thinking about this podcast series and how you know, it came about through the LA Forum and through this idea of understanding the city, understanding Los Angeles and instigating dialogue about Los Angeles. And I was very curious to create this kind of, or to see the city through the eyes of different people and create this kind of living documentary. Right. But being a few interviews in now and everyone has such a different perspective and yet there are a few, there are a few recurring places and a few right. recurring themes. Yes. And I, I have this desire to try to find a, a bigger purpose to it, you know, like. Sure, that will come about organically. The project just started as a kind of an idea and I thought I'll just dive in and kind of see what happens. So I hope you're right. I hope yeah. that organically some kind of, um positive impact right right yeah it's it's very thought-provoking to have these conversations thank you so much for sharing your um your experience your lifelong experience thank you for inviting yeah. me i really enjoyed um, this i would love to talk to you more i mean i don't know if you're up for it but maybe one day i could meet you and we could go for a beach walk or something you. 
fabulous. Because we'd be outdoors. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be really, we'd love that. I would love that too. Are there any other thoughts that you want to add or anything else? I love LA. I will always love LA no matter what's going on. I think I, it's, uh, it's home. It's home to me. Lisa and I did get together for a wonderful beach walk and we're planning an urban hike in downtown LA next. To learn more about Lisa's work, her art, and the books and places mentioned in our conversation, please check out the show notes. To hear more stories of the places that define Los Angeles, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit us online at fiveplaces.la. Five Places is produced by Anneli Garakani, Quinn Wynn, and me, Emmanuel Bourlier, for the LA Forum for Architecture and Urban Design. We recorded on Chumash, Keech, Tongva, and Mekinakan land. Thank you for listening. <laughs>